CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Let's get this show on the road here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 2nd. It's just moments away. But let's thank these unions before we go any further for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our dear, dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com dot com for call scripts and a petition one more time vote v-o-t-e mail m-a-i-l chicago c-h-i-c-h-e-o dot com to make sure that every voter in cook county has safe and equitable polling that's correct all right, we had one uh, song of the day request, but I guarantee you know you don't know any songs uh, off of the PlayStation game Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. <laughs> Are you kidding? I was playing it all. I, like when Michael Girardi was sending that thing in at three in the morning on Monday, I was playing that game. <laughs> 
So what's the song? Which one is it, D? I, he said any song off of the Tony oh. Hawk Pro Skater 2 soundtrack. I, I, okay. know, I know you know you don't know any of them. No, I, no, I, in fact, song. have played the game several times, and I know damn um, near all of them. But This this is my favorite song uh, from uh, the Tony Hawk play game or whatever. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Tell me why you cry. Come on, everybody. And why you lie. Yeah, that's in there, D. You didn't know that? Yeah. That old Beatles song. Oh. Every now and then they throw that in there. Must have been a hidden track. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is, with, it is Wednesday, September 2nd. And live from my apartment and Ben's attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, former 2019 mayoral candidate and activist J. Maul Green returns and legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Raider columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA Envy Wednesday, and here's why. Been watching dispatches from Wisconsin since I woke up this morning. Can't help but the papers are filled with them. Daddy Trump came to Kenosha. Usually fly over country. Uh-uh. He's in Wisconsin, so that's big news. We're somebody. The president is here. Oh, my goodness. I've made it. We're all like Steve Martin in the jerk. Get our name in the phone book. We're running around. Yay! Daddy Trump came to Wisconsin. I matter. My beloved bright one must have sent half the newsroom to Kenosha. I could just see a gathering. And the commander, Commander Fusco, get out there. Go to Wisconsin. Do I got a bus? Get out there. They had like six people in Wisconsin. Commander Fusco. <laughs> He's the guy in charge. All right. I'm surprised he didn't send you up there. Ah, uh, hey, you, Dr. D, go to Kenosha. Okay, boys. Pictures, storio, storios, <laughs> stories, videos. And how about J. Maul Green? Dennis just mentioned him. Former mayoral candidate, the pride and joy of Englewood right here in Chicago. He's on the front page of two. Two newspapers, the Tribune and the New York Times, D. He's on the front page of the New York Times. Here, I'm going to show you. Here it is. Here he is on the front page. Oh, wait. No camera. <laughs> hate when that happens. <laughs> uh, so, uh, J. Maul went to MAGA country to stand up for humanity. God bless you, J. Maul. I appreciate you doing that. And he got his picture taken, arguing with a woman in a U.S. T-shirt, USA T-shirt with a flag on it. She's holding another flag in her hand just to make sure everybody knows she loves the flag. They're having some kind of argument. We'll get to what that argument is. Well, maybe they're not having while. an argument. Maybe they're swapping recipes or something. I don't know. You can just see the picture. You know, it looks like they're just talking, right? Dude, what are you smoking? And can I have some of it, man? He got up early, was chopping wood, and smoked some bun. Okay. Didn't do any of she that. She is in his face. Uh, and here's the thing, D. Jamal has the mask. MAGA woman has no mask in the picture. And she has her hands on Jamal's shoulder. A little touchy-feely, ma'am. Don't you know we're in a pandemic? 
And that's when I realized I have MAGA envy. I envy Donnie Trump supporters. They have a man of power who they love beyond words, a man they worship. Suddenly he had a vision of what it was like for a guy like, oh, should be columnist Johnny Cass. Every day he wakes up and his MAGA man is in the White House and he falls to his knees and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for bringing me my MAGA. And if you're a MAGA man like Johnny Cass or a MAGA woman like the woman touching Jay Maul's shoulder, you believe that you don't have to wear a mask. You believe that Trump will protect you from the virus because the virus is not real. It's a hoax concocted by Democrats to undercut Donnie's campaign. I want to believe that, D. I want to believe that there's a MAGA man in the White House who could protect me from anything that befalls our nation. I haven't had a politician that I really, truly loved since Harold Washington, and that was in 1983. You weren't even born yet, D. I was born in 1983. Well, you were born in the second part of the year. So uh, technically speaking, you were not yet born. You may have been conceived, but you were not yet born. Think about that distinction. Anyway, that's a long time. No matter whether he was born or not, it was a long time ago. There's more. This gets to the Tribune. All right, Dave, here's the Tribune. Home delivered as always. Get a good look at that newspaper, listeners. A picture of a Black Lives Matter supporter fighting with a Trump supporter at Civic Center Park in downtown Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the visit of President Donald Trump. Dude, these guys are flat out having a fist fight. All right. I want to say one more time. We're in a pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh pandemic they're having a freaking fist fight maga hat man is not wearing a mask and he's throwing a round and this this picture uh has him really connecting but it looks like a good punch to the uh anti-maga man's head but here's the deal the black lives matter supporter has a mask and MAGA man is using that mask against him. He's pulling the MAGA. He's pulling the mask to choke the guy. All right. So MAGA man is trying to use the mask to his advantage in a fight, as opposed to wearing it to protect himself and everybody else from the virus. And I have this vision of Trump supporters all over America looking at this picture and saying, hmm, finally a mask comes in handy. By the way, I went, uh, D, I did the download. I went to the computer. You'd be very proud of me. Went to the internet. And I saw the video of the fight. And uh, when you see. Way to go. I know. I, uh, what can I tell you? Just call me Zuckerberg. Anyway, uh, in the video, uh, yes, MAGA man gets in that first punch. But after that, Tribune, I just got to say, man, the Black Lives Matter guy kind of whooped MAGA man's booty. I'm just saying, D, all right? But here's the thing that caught me. This has got nothing to do with anything. Surrounding the two fighters, or everybody else, including a large contingent of media people with cameras, all kinds of cameras. It reminded me of kids back in junior high. You know when a fight would break out in the hallway? Instead of trying to break it up, everybody would surround and go, ooh, humbug, they're fighting. Oh, yeah, man, give it to them. So here's a quick media ethics question. If you're the reporter 
filming that. It's your first responsibility to film the fight. Uh, I do not interrupt an event while it's happening. Or do you try to break it up and protect humanity? Well, now in 2022, there's uh, onlookers, too, that are recording it as well with their phone. They're just like, oh, I got to get this footage on my phone. No one's trying to break it up. <laughs> Nobody's well, in this particular case, uh, people. It's some, eventually some people, I heard some guy in the background. It's like, you know that routine we do when we play uh, Raylo and Lori going at it and you and I go, hey, break it up. But there are people who are like, hey. That's what it's come to. Anyway, there's more. Yes, D, while I went, this is, the, this is, how, this is how you can lose an hour in a day. So I went, okay, this is how it started. So Jamal Green, I said, Jamal, did you see that picture in the Tribune of MAGA man fighting the Black Lives Matter guy? Yeah, yeah. I saw, so saw the video on the internet. I go, whoa, there's video on the internet? Ugh, I hadn't thought of that. See, Jamal's a millennial. So I go to the, I'm not. So I go to the internet, I find the video, I'm watching it. Next thing I know, I'm in MAGA land on the internet, D. It's like this video connects to that video, connects to that. An hour passes, I'm watching various interviews with MAGA people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, talking about how much they love Trump and how much this moment means to them. That's why I'm filled with envy. I don't like if Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden is coming to Wisconsin. I'm not going to be filled with, you know what I'm saying? I'm not vo- I am voting for Joe Biden. No Come doubt on, about man. it. Yeah. Stole my line, by the way. Come Just on, saying, man. Yeah, I've been saying man. I've been saying man since the 60s. Anyway, I will vote for Joe Biden, but I can't get excited about it. But Mega Man loves Trump. So they have this interview with this dude. And uh, he's wearing a Washington Redskins football jersey. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's sending a message. Now, you think he'd be wearing a Green Bay Packers football jersey because he's in Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. But no, MAGA can't do that because the Packers have shown solidarity with Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement. So he's got to figure out a way to symbolize his utter contempt for absolutely everyone who thinks black people should be treated with respect. So what does he do? He puts on an old Washington Redskin jersey. And I say old because the name doesn't exist anymore. They're not even called that anymore. The owner had about a corporate boycott and dropped the name. But this guy's wearing the jersey. And it's part of, I just see his, now I didn't get to talk to him, D. You're absolutely correct when you say, Ben, did you talk to him? No, I didn't. But I think I can see how his mind is working. He says, I want to send a symbol. I want to send a message in defiance of cancel culture, which is what MAGA thinks happens when a country tries to come to terms with its racially challenged past. And I would say exhibit A in a racially challenged past is symbolized by naming a football team for a derogatory name for Native Americans. MAGA won't even call them Native Americans because that's politically correct, which means it's an attempt to take considerations into the feelings of others. MAGA doesn't believe in worrying about the considerations of others, unless, of course, it's a baker in Indiana who doesn't want to sell a wedding cake to a gay couple. Then it's like, hey, man, you insensitive elitist liberal snobs. The baker's got feelings, too. What about him? Anyway. The Trump supporter in the Redskins jersey is berating the Black Lives Matter movement. And he says, and I'm quoting him, that BLM stands for burn, loot and murder. I had to just pause for a moment. Well, and break it to him. The murder in Kenosha was committed by one of Donald Trump's most passionate supporters, Kyle Rittenhouse. He's a MAGA lover who drove up from Antioch and killed two people with his automatic rifle and shot another. And I'm thinking the fate of America 
rests in the hands of voters in Wisconsin. Will they go with Jay Maul's message or will they go for the MAGA man in the redskin jersey? I'll say this about Trump. He may not be Daniel Biss. He may not be a math genius, but he can do basic math. White people outnumber black people. So he thinks he's got this election in the bag. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Jamal Green will be joining us. I saw his picture in the newspaper. I reached out immediately. I needed to know uh, what was happening. What was that exchange about in Kenosha? What was the tone and the tenor? Did he have any hope that you could have a reasonable discussion and debate? Uh, with people who show up supporting Trump. So I'll be looking forward to what Jay Mull has to say. And of course, it's Wednesday. Monroe Anderson will be here. He's all fired up. He's still predicting that Joe Biden will. I need a shot of Monroe every Wednesday, D, because lately I'm getting a little nervous. Getting a little nervous. Trump has settled on this scare white people into voting for uh, him strategy. Getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little scared. Yeah, it's a scary moment. It's working. It's, it is. <laughs> yeah, he's got that guy out there with that Washington Redskins jersey leading the charge. Anyway, Jamal Green, Monroe Anderson. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton. The man they just call Dennis. That's all. They just call him Dennis with the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? And we all know no one can be Daniel Biss. Come on. He's a genius. A wizard. <laughs> Uh, three plus three is six. Minus three is three. Daniel Biss. <laughs> All right. So as Ben mentioned, we have Jamal Green coming on very shortly here. So with the time we have until then, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And I'm not sure if any of you listening looked at the local news today, but. Oh, my slow news day <laughs> locally. But I guess uh, with all the Kenosha chaos happening at the moment, all eyes are on Wisconsin. But we do have a couple of COVID-19 updates to discuss. Now to our COVID-19 update. Okay, hang tight, Governor. We'll get there. Just let me set you up here, bud. Yes, the governor gave another Illinois COVID-19 update. And if you're a hardcore Illinois political junkie, you already knew what some of this update would cover. Metro East Illinois also known as Region 4 in Governor Pritzker's five-phase strategy to safely reopen the state. Let's begin with phase one. JB, come on! (laughs) Now, about a month back, Metro East Illinois saw an uptick in positive COVID test results, and we've seen hardly any uh, improvement since. So by now, you all know what that means. Yes, new safety guidelines. Here's Governor Pritzker laying it all out this afternoon. Two weeks ago today, August 19th, stricter mitigation requirements took effect in the Metro East region, which had surpassed an 8% average positivity rate for three days in a row. Unfortunately, that region continues to see positivity rates of over 8%, with the current seven-day rolling average sitting at 9.6%. So as I made clear last week, As of today, Metro East Region 4 of our region of our Restore Illinois plan will operate under stricter mitigations, the same restrictions that Region 7, that's Will and Kankakee counties, has faced since the middle of last week. Yes, well, we all know what uh, what's going on here. 
people in Republican politicians in Will County were accusing J.B. Pritzker last week of favoring the Metro East, uh, giving them easier, more lenient uh, restrictions uh, than Will County. And it's not fair, they said. So bizarre. I mean, the Republican Party in the state of Illinois has not legitimately joined the effort to protect citizens of Illinois uh, from the virus from day one. And that's because they're struggling, can't say it enough, with the political directives from Washington, which seem to vary day to day, but by and large have been dedicated to the theme that the virus is not real and it's just a hope to undermine Donald Trump. And that is why in Kenosha, when there's protesters and counter protesters and counter counter protesters, the only people wearing the masks are the Black Lives Matter supporters. MAGA hat doesn't wear masks. They don't believe it's real. They get into fist fights with people face to face, breathing in each other's faces, not a mask in sight. They come up to Jamal Green, put their hands on his shoulder, get right in his face, not a face mask. Jamal has his mask on. So it's this notion that somehow or other, the virus is a hoax and it doesn't affect us. And JB got caught up in that day. He he heard, he listens to our show and he heard your report about all the JB Pritzker suck signs downstate. He thought he'd give him a break. JB doesn't work. They will never, ever go for you. They've been brainwashed. You might as well do the right thing and try to protect people in the state of Illinois and try to get them to wear a freaking mask when they go outside or at least keep the mask. If you're going to have a fist fight, this just, I think this should be one-on-one. If you're going to have a fist fight, face-to-face, throwing punches, wear a mask. Oh, yeah. Is that asking for yeah, too much? Because you're just thinking like, of safety. That's the first thing on your mind when you're ready to just throw a fist at someone's face. Well, I better be safe here. Uh, excuse me. Let me put my, usually, wait. When there's a fight, a guy has glasses, take the glasses off. I don't want to fight a man with glasses. Come on, D, you know that. So now the protocol should be, um, before we have this fist fight, let's put our masks on. Okay, are they safely on? Uh, your mask is not covering uh, your nose. Okay, now we can go at it. You're, Just, you're asking yeah. a lot. You're asking a lot. I know. It's a lot for MAGA. Okay? Anyway, These- JB, I, I, I like your attempt, but come on. They're going to hate you no matter what you do. Go ahead, young man. These stricter mitigations, as recommended by our doctors at IDPH, include the closure of all indoor bar service, that's indoor bar service, and indoor dining service. The closing of all outdoor bars and restaurants, gaming facilities, and casinos by 11 p.m., a pause on any party bus services, and a new limit on gatherings to the lesser of 25 individuals or 25% of overall room capacity. Let me be clear, these are not decisions that I make lightly, nor would I impose these restrictions if there wasn't evidence of increasing spread of the virus in these areas. I want our businesses to be open, and I want our hospitality scene to thrive. I want to get people back to work and finding new opportunities for themselves and their families. But the greatest hindrance to restoring our nation's economic vitality is the virus. 
until we get it under control, either by people following the doctor-recommended mitigations or with an effective treatment or a vaccine, we are going to be fighting for our economic recovery with one hand tied behind our back. We must slow the rate of infection all across our state. There went our party bus plans, Ben. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure why closing the casinos at 11 will have an impact if everybody's wearing a mask till midnight or whatever. But, but you know what, JB, again, I give you credit, but you're not dealing with people who are logical and rational. And I would say 40% of the state or whatever, whatever vote Rauner got in the last election, that portion of the state is defiantly not going to wear a mask. So it's really difficult to be responsible. And he's absolutely correct. We can't get back to the society we once had until the pandemic has passed, until the virus threat is over. You could pretend it doesn't exist, like those motorcycle riders who drove out to uh, South Dakota at the earlier part of the month, D. And now the reports are coming in that many of them have the virus. You know, it, it just, you cannot defeat the virus if 40% of the country doesn't think it exists. So I give JB, this is why I've been giving him credit all along, D. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's got it easy. I walk through the north side of Chicago, everybody's got a mask on. People sitting at Wells Park, everybody got masks on. You know, they take it very seriously. JB Pritzker's got to deal with the state. 40% at least can't stand him, don't like Democrats, loves MAGA, and thinks that the whole thing is a hoax. I don't know how you deal with that, D. And then you got the state of Missouri, just across the river. You know, all the protocol in the world is not going to help your beloved, beloved Metro East, Dennis, if people in Missouri aren't wearing masks. So I feel for you, J.B. Pritzker. It's a tough job, man. Very right. tough job. More details for bars and restaurant uh, restrictions include all bar patrons should be seated at tables outside. No ordering, seating, or congregating. No congregating at the bar. Bar stools should be removed. Tables should be six feet apart. No standing or congregating indoors or outdoors while waiting for a table or exiting. No dancing or what, what is this footloose? No dancing or standing indoors. <laughs> Reservations required for each party. No seating of multiple parties at one table. And like he has to do damn near since the beginning of this pandemic, Governor Pritzker again addressed like Ben just did all of those naysayers. There are virus deniers whose arguments have swung wildly between this is a media hoax and it's just a problem for old people. Now their argument has changed. Their new argument is it's just new cases that are rising, not deaths, and the hospitals are fine, so we don't have to worry. Well, as the White House's own Dr. Burke said yesterday, Florida, Texas, Arizona, and other southern Sunbelt states thought that their increasing infection rates were unimportant. And then, in no time at all, their hospitals were overrun. When that happens, a lot more people die. I won't let that happen here. As Dr. Azike and I have said throughout this COVID-19 pandemic, facts and science will continue to determine what efforts Illinois should make to protect our people. If the data shows that the virus is spreading at a high rate, we won't hesitate to take action to protect the people of Illinois. Your health and safety is my paramount consideration. 
Yeah, good luck with all that, JB. Uh, <laughs> good, I'm with you 100%, but good luck with that. Uh, MAGA man is just like, uh-uh, not going to do it. Mm-mm, can't convince me. And, you know, let me just deal with this deep. The argument that only old people get it, I've heard that. I heard it wasn't a... I've heard that many times. So if I'm young, I don't have to worry about it, even though you could spread it to other people. But the thing that kills me is the selfishness. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to go to the hospital maybe. Then some doctor or nurse is going to have to deal with it. And they're going to have to close off more of the hospital to people who have other ailments that need to be dressed as you overwhelm hospitals. I guess that doesn't matter, huh? As long as you survive... It doesn't matter what inconvenience you've caused, you know, how you've overtaxed our medical system. Just the, 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 the selfishness in it all, because it's all about it's all about reelecting Donald Trump. That's all it is. So I'm with you, JB. Heart goes out to you. You had that your knees knocked a little bit, just a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we were trying to give uh, old Metro East a break because you heard Dennis talk about all those Pritzker suck signs. JB, those signs are going to be there no matter what you do. There's, I don't believe there's anything you could do. Anybody who puts a Pritzker suck sign up in their lawn, I just like. Just, there's nothing you could do. They're just going to be against you no matter what. Well, now I have a feeling that some uh, those who disagree with JB have now put up two Pritzker suck signs in their yard. <laughs> well, I'll oh. show you. <laughs> Number two, right there. All right, so there it was. A quick summary of JB Pritzker's Wednesday COVID-19 update. Come on, pick it up, Metro East. J-Mall Green, by the way, is t- sending me texts. He, he wants his invite. I'm sending it right now. He goes, where are you? While we wait for J Mall Green, remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. You can send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. Send us a message. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. And you can leave us a voicemail. That's right. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. And, you know, hey, if your voicemail isn't insane or crazy, we'll more than likely play it on the program. Also, uh, we had a great interview with Eddie Armstrong that's available for download at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Make sure you go check that out, along with so many Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite Podcast. And here is J Maul Green. Uh, without his face mask, J Maul, welcome to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. All right, now I'm looking. You can't see me because my ancient computer doesn't have a camera. I can see you, but I'm holding up yes. the photograph of, of you uh, with this woman. She's got her hand on your shoulder, she's yep. right in your face. You're wearing a mask, doing the right thing. She right. has no mask. She's got the American flag. I guess she thinks that's going to protect her uh, yep. from the virus. And it's not only on the front page of the Chicago Tribune, but then I got my New York Times, and it's <laughs> almost the identical picture on the front page of the New York Times. So I'm, when yeah. the show's over, I'm going to mail you both uh, so you can keep <laughs> for your archives. Yes. Um, all right, Jay Maul. First, why don't you just take a moment uh, to tell folks who you are yeah. and why you decided to go to Wisconsin. Go ahead. 
Well, you know, I've been an organizer um, for many years, and I want to also put on a record that I'm the only organizer to shut down the Trump rally in America. Um, as if many people know, uh, we prevented Trump from being able to come and spread his divisiveness here in Chicago many years ago. And uh, so yesterday was was nothing different. Uh, Kenosha, there has been uh, rising uh, tensions, uh, of course, after the Jacob Blake situation. Um, where he was shot seven uh, in the back seven times. Uh, and what folks are doing, you know, is making sure that our voices are heard when it comes to uh, the change that we want to see in the system and, and the reimagining policing in America. And Trump coming to Kenosha to spread more divisiveness, even going as far to defend Kyle Rittenhouse, who crossed state lines at 17 years old with a AR-15 and shot three people, kill, killing two. Uh, this isn't the, the, the type of rhetoric that uh, we should be supporting, especially the type of rhetoric that a president should be saying. And uh, at the end of the day, yesterday was uh, a moment where we went to support the Jacob Blake family, which we did right after um, we stopped by uh, the uh, place where Trump was, and there were a lot of support supporters out there um, voicing uh, what, what I feel is a lot of hate filled uh, rhetoric um, and asking for four more years of divisiveness from Trump. So uh, yesterday was, was just a, a, a another uh, another day of dealing with people who don't understand their white privilege. All right. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's break it down. We can set up the situation where the woman uh, is in your face with no mask. Uh, talk about how that happened and then what, what unfolded. Go ahead. Well, if you know, our president already <laughs> thinks COVID-19 is a hoax. Uh, and he's somebody who, uh, you know, we never really see with a mask on. And so his supporters follow suit. Uh, yesterday at, at the uh, gathering, uh, most of the Trump supporters uh, did not have uh, masks uh, on. Uh, when I got there, they were chanting four more years, and uh, me and uh, a few other folks were chanting, well, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and she approached us to have a conversation, getting, of course, very close if people saw the front pages today, uh, and touching me and, and basically uh, speaking without a mask. Uh, as you can see, I, I had my mask on and I never took it off because I just saw uh, how, you know, folks really didn't take it seriously at that gathering. So um, we talked about uh, white privilege. Um, she doesn't think there is white privilege. She thinks that um, for some reason uh, that no matter what color you are, that you, if you comply, that you're automatically going to live, uh, which is just an asinine statement, knowing that we have many cases of black men who've been shot by police uh, who complied. Look at Philando Castile. They told him, get your license out. He tried to get his license and he was killed. Uh, there are many situations where black men have complied. And so she wanted to talk about how if she didn't comply, they would probably shoot me too. And just showing us that she does not understand that she has white privilege.
and that black people in America are far. I mean, when you look at the statistics and she even she said that white people get shot by police more than black people. So obviously she needs a little history lesson. Uh, but, you know, I gave a little bit to her and hopefully she'll start to do a little bit more research on the things that she said. So she didn't understand her privilege and she was out there supporting the president. Uh, and, you know, we were voicing our concerns as well. Um, when she put her hand on your shoulder, which I, yeah. I may be cause, calling too much attention to it, but Jay yeah, Maul, <laughs> I, I, I've been like, I take the, the pandemic very seriously. Uh, my children were roughly your age. Yeah. Uh, urge me. They don't want me to go anywhere. I'm doing my show from my attic overlooking <laughs> the alley at a porta potty. I mean, <laughs> I take it very serious. I go out at night when there's no one around. Uh, whenever I see anybody, I will put my mask on. I mean, I take it very seriously because, well, well, duh. You know well, what I mean? I mean, a lot of Trump supporters don't. And it's because they're looking who they're being led by. You know, Trump tried to call it a hoax uh, in the beginning. Uh, Trump moved uh, uh, slower to um, start to take control of the virus, which caused now, you know, we're going to probably be breaking 200,000 people that have died from this virus in, in a few more months. And, and so, you know, we got to look at uh, who they're being led by. And they've been led by somebody who um, told them to drink bleach um, <laughs> and inject Lysol. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised. Uh, and they really, really look at him as, as he's some type of, um, non-human, like he's a, a, a higher of a higher being uh, than us. And unfortunately, that's why they mimic his actions and his words. And um, I think that's very dangerous looking at the numbers, uh, knowing that COVID is real. But as you can see, I kept my mask on. I tried to keep my six feet. But, you know, I was trying to be nice when she was violating um, my space. Oh, she completely violated your space. Uh, uh, now, uh, let's talk about the white privilege uh, argument. Yeah. How effective, in your humble opinion, uh, do you think the white privilege argument could be made to someone who absolutely and, and I'm looking at this lady. She's definitely older than you. OK, so she's yeah, had more years of life than you have. Right. She has lived through. I'm going to tell you what she's lived through. She's lived through the assassination of Martin Luther King, she the has. shooting of Medgar Evers, the March on Washington, Brown. Well, she probably was born after Brown, uh, Brown versus Topeka. Uh, Board of Education. But, yeah, Board of Education. Yeah. But she's lived through the murder of Fred Hampton. She has lived through the FBI. Yeah. Following, trying to destroy the Black Panther. She's lived through all the history that I've lived yeah. through. She's about my age. She, and she, she has, has come to the conclusion, having lived through all that history, Jim Crow, <laughs> segregated swimming pools, can't go into a restaurant, Jackie Robinson is taunted. Yes. She has lived yes. through all that, Jay Green, and come to the conclusion that there is no such thing as white privilege. I do not know. Well, oh, a young you know, man like you can convince someone who's lived through all that. Like that. Go yeah. ahead. Help me out here. Well, man, I think you put it in the best words. <laughs> and, and I think that when I do another interview, I might have to take those words. Um, I mean, that's the absolute truth. You know, with all the things that she has lived through, uh, watching 
the mistreatment of black people in America to be this age and still today say that she basically have no white privilege and that black people just need to comply and they will live. Um, it's just insane. Uh, maybe you can't convince these people. These people are um, definitely their mindsets uh, are definitely um you know, I guess <laughs> they're, they're, they have such a narrow view of, of how they think and, 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 the, and how they see things. And so um, the only thing that, that I, I'm there to do is to try to open up uh, their minds and, and get them to stop seeing so narrowly. It may reach one person. And I think if we reach one and I think I've talked to a couple. I had a Trump supporter yesterday who acknowledged that he needs to be reeducated on the history of America. And. That, to me, showed me that I've done my work for the day. He acknowledged. He said, I would sign up for a class to be re-educated on the real history of America. Because I started telling him about the history of America and how it isn't, the real history isn't even being taught, especially in our schools. And we need to sue McGraw-Hill, <laughs> and, uh, which is probably the reason why some of you think that way. And he said, you know what? You're, you're correct. I would love to be retaught the history of America and hopefully change my point of view. And, and so some people you can reach, maybe not everybody, of course, not everybody. Uh, obviously her, you know, so something is, is, is keeping her to, uh, or making her feel this way as she continues to live her life. All right. Now, uh, that gentleman that he says he's willing to, to take a new look at American history, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, re- leading him to that uh, moment of enlightenment. Was that gentleman wearing a mask? He was not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> he was not wearing a mask. I put up the video of him uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, he wasn't wearing a mask either. Most of them would not wear a mask. They really think that this is COVID-19. It's just... That's so deep. So that sort of sums it all up. They won't wear a mask because they don't believe that this thing that has killed 200,000 or so people is unreal. So how are you going to get them to focus on the assassination of Martin Luther King? You know what I'm saying? It's it's like that is a challenge. Uh, All right, Jamal. So let's put it in political terms. Yes. Uh, You ran for mayor. Uh, back in uh, 2000, kind of lost track of time, 19. Uh, so you do believe uh, in a political system. Uh, you do believe that change has to come through politics or it's one uh, venue. And um, so right now we're in a struggle. And unfortunately, the way we ha- our electoral college system is set up, you know this as well as uh, all of our listeners, Wisconsin is paramount. It is. And you have people like this lady with the American flag without a mask, putting her hand on her shoulder, on your shoulder, right in your freaking face, telling you that uh, there is no difference in the way uh, police treat white and black people in defiance of all evidence. Yeah. Are you confident that Joe Biden can win uh, a majority of voters or at least a plurality of voters in the state of Wisconsin so that he could capture those electoral college votes in the face of yeah. such willful, willful ignorance. Well, if you look at uh, Kenosha uh, last election, uh, Trump, I believe, won Kenosha. Um, and, you know, what do I have confidence that Joe Biden will be able to, to win this election at all? I don't. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's not enough excitement, I think, at this moment. And they have to start getting bold on policy in these next nine weeks. They want to see people really 
care about this election. Uh, if you look at the polling at the time that Hillary Clinton was running, uh, and you mirror it with the polling at this time now that Joe Biden is running, Hillary Clinton was doing better in polls than Joe Biden was, and Hillary Clinton still lost. And so I am not confident that Joe Biden has this in a bag. Uh, I think that there is um, definitely uh, some time and, and some, some work and some organizing that that campaign must do um, because Trump is still in this. We can't count him out. We counted him out last time and Hillary Clinton stopped campaigning. We cannot count him out uh, and we must uh, organize. I'm not a fan of either, but I understand the stakes uh, of this election. Uh, and at the end of the day, if Joe Biden don't start saying some powerful uh, um, policy stances, whether it is better Medicare, Medicare for all, uh, Green New Deal, college for all, um, you know, if he don't start getting bold with with, with some of the policies, you know, universal child care uh, and make people really um, believe in him over these next, uh, I say, four or five weeks, um, then you're, you're going to see. Um, voters stay home. Uh, Trump is already trying to steal selection by fighting the post office. Uh, so uh, who knows what can happen in nine weeks. But what we cannot do is we cannot think we have this in a bag. We did that one time. We saw how that happened and, and what happened. Your old friend, uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Uh, had, Rahm wasn't my friend. <laughs> I know. I, I said that with the air quotes. You couldn't see it. I know. I know. Uh, so we'll get into that, by the way. We'll, we'll, we'll swing things before you head out the door uh, to local politics, get your thoughts on some local political stuff. But uh, your old friend, in air quotes, uh, very ironic and facetious, uh, Rahm Emanuel has advised everything, you, the opposite of everything you said. He said, don't come out strong, Joe Biden, for Medicare for all. Don't come out for a Green New Deal. Uh, you should be running as basically Republican, looking for Biden, Republicans for Biden. That was his advice, uh, Rahm's advice. Uh, Jay Ma, I could go on and on with my opinion about yeah. that, but I'd love to hear your opinions uh, if well, Biden follows Rahm's advice. Go ahead. Rahm Emanuel, if anybody takes advice from Rahm Emanuel, I think they're destined to lose. I think Rahm Emanuel is one of the worst um, Democratic advisors in history. Uh, and we probably saw that when he got a chance to lead the city and he did a terrible job for eight years. So at the end of the day, I think Rahm Emanuel doesn't understand that look at the polling of some of these things like Medicare for all, 70% of Americans, both sides, all right, Republican and Democrats, believe in, in Medicare for all. Look at the excitement that it brings um, a candidate um, when you look at Bernie Sanders. I think Rahm Emanuel is really just out of touch and he's trying to find a way to get into this administration. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad Joe Biden hasn't said anything about Rahm Emanuel because that'll probably make, make me make him lose my vote. But <laughs> I think <laughs> um, at the end of the day, Joe Biden needs to get bold. He needs to look at the polling. He needs to be serious about this and really get some excitement. Nobody's excited for Joe Biden. If you ask somebody, why are you voting for Joe Biden? They're going to say, well, it's because of Trump. The polls show 56% of people that are voting for Joe Biden are only voting because of Trump. That's not okay. It needs to be some excitement around policy and people should want to feel like they're going to get something at the end. Look at Trump polling numbers of, as far as black people. His polling went up almost 6% now. 24% of black people are saying that they're voting for Trump. Biden is on track 
to have us another Hillary Clinton situation. Um, and if he doesn't get it together and wake up, I'm not using the sleepy Joe thing with him, but if he doesn't wake up and get serious and get bold about these policies, he's going to lose this election. And uh, the Democrats and the DNC just don't don't understand uh, how to move. Um, and lo- look at what happened yesterday. Air Markey, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Air Markey beat Pelosi's um, candidate and Joe Kennedy. He beat a, a Kennedy for the first time ever because people want bold politicians and don't want the status quo. No more status quo. Uh, Ed Markey, of course, being the incumbent senator in Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts defeated uh, Congressman Joe Kennedy, Joe Kennedy the third, I want to say, uh, in the Democratic primary. You're absolutely correct. Ed Markey was supported by Chuck Schumer, and Joe Kennedy was supported by Nancy Pelosi. Nancy, 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 what are you doing getting involved in a primary, for goodness mm-hmm. sake? Uh, I'm going uh, to say this right now, Jay Maul. Yes. I'm going to make this declaration to you right now. I do not know what poll. Uh, you saw that said 24% of black people voted for Donald Trump. I am telling you right, right now, no, you big, name the restaurant. If, the, if Donald Trump gets more than 2% of the black vote in the city of Chicago, you pick the restaurant. <laughs> I will buy you. There is no way Donald John Trump is going to get more than 2% of the black vote. No way. Wait, I don't wait, care wait, what that wait, poll shows. Let me shows. tell you this. Go ahead. Let me tell you this. I saw the article. I saw the poll. I was just a shock. But what I will tell you is that black people are not sold on Biden. And what's happening is they know Biden's passed with the crime bill and Biden's racist legislative policies, supporting segregationists, et cetera, we can go down the line. They also know the past of Kamala Harris and how uh, destructive she was as attorney general and a prosecutor in California. Black people are not sold on that ticket. And it's really going to be the black men who decide not to vote Democrat and say, I'm going to flip and go Republican this time because the Democrats don't get it together. And so I think you won't see a high amount of black people in America voting for Trump, but you will see. Um, a small percentage. No, I it might be a little bit higher than last time. All right, let me put it to you this way: you may not see a high percentage. You got it flipped. The only ones who vote for Trump will be high because that's the only reason anybody. <laughs> I am telling you right now, this to me, I I understand exactly what you're saying, Jamal. I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, Joe Biden. His his past, his record, his indecisiveness, his uh, alliance and allegiances with uh, many of the uh, racist senators from the South is uh, very troubling indeed. But I will point this out. And you saw and you watched the same primaries that I watch. It was by and large black voters that selected Joe Biden. Right. Joe Biden was effectively the was, choice. In, I'm not disagree with that. But, I mean, but it was in one state. South Carolina decided Joe Biden's um, nomination. All right. And it was Jim Clyburn and down south and southern voters think a little bit different than northern voters up here. Uh, so, but it was the south that decided uh, his fate. Definitely. All right. Well, be that as it may, uh, the, the, the primaries after South Carolina were resounding victory for right. uh, Joe Biden Joe and Biden. Uh, yeah. black precincts over Bernie Sanders, who I supported. And I believe That's you true. supported as well. Uh, two Bernie yes. guys right here. <laughs> so I'm just telling you right now that by and large, the, the plurality or majority of black voters in the Democratic Party selected Joe Biden. 
That I think was, they're now disappointed. They knew Bernie Sanders were the best, was the best candidate to win this race. Well, you should have listened to J. Maul Green. Should have listened to right? J. Green. <laughs> should, but I'll, that bet is that bet holds. Uh, I do not believe that twenty four percent. I hadn't seen that article. We'll I'm gonna go check it out. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. We'll see. I was, uh, I just we'll see. Out, I think yesterday. And uh, anyway, it'll be fun to go have lunch with you, no matter who has to pay for it. All right. Uh, before I let you go out the door, I know you have uh, other things you have to do really uh, pressing for your time. I want to get your thoughts. I saw you quoted in the paper. Uh, I'd love to hear you uh, on this subject. Uh, Lori Lightfoot says she doesn't want police. Uh, excuse me. She doesn't want protesters uh, coming on her block to protest. And I know uh, <laughs> that you were out at Rom's house every day for like on his doorstep, on his doorstep. Ding dong. Hey, Rob, <laughs> uh, for about a month, I want to say maybe a little. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Uh, um, so, so go ahead. well, what, what I'll say to that is, you know, um, I guess I can, I guess, close with this is, you know, I don't think Lori is, is really handling uh, protests well. She doesn't do well in this. Um, even during a campaign, she didn't do well uh, with people that are voicing their concerns and hitting the streets. Uh, and she's kind of showing her um, pro-police. Uh, it's unfortunate, but she's, she's showing how pro-police and uh, she was, she is, and the things that they said about her during the campaign are now coming true. Uh, as you know, I endorsed Lori Lightfoot, and I consulted her through her first year. Um, but, you know, at this moment, she's not handling things well. Um, we are at odds at this moment, and I think the whole block protest thing, I think it's, it's utterly uh, ridiculous. She has security uh, that's going to be outside. She has security in her home. Uh, and I don't think it makes sense. I've, I've literally went over there where there were hundreds of police officers blocking off her block uh, when we can't get that same treatment on the south side. We can't get that tra- tra- treatment in Austin uh, to, to have 150 officers. How the hell have one officer walk down the street and have a presence? They're all in their patrol cars waiting for somebody to call 911. And so to have hundreds of police that are standing on uh, Lori's block whenever people are protesting, it's a block protest from protesting um i just i don't agree with it i was as you know the first person to go to organize protests at rom's house i was on his doorstep unfortunately i don't i don't even want to speak on this because it makes it seem like rom handled it better at the time <laughs> you know i can't give rom any credit but um <laughs> we we had shoot no more than five officers out there in a line while we there just to make sure we didn't go on his porch uh, but not at the situation where he blocked off the whole street and had hundreds of officers there. Sometimes it, it just just never happened. So, Jim, I never. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. I'm just curious. How did people? Like I said, uh, you were leading protesters, or you were one of the protesters uh, outside of Rob's house after the Quan McDonald video was finally released back in yeah. 2015 uh, and uh, or 2014. Uh, how did neighbors treat you? Neighbors loved it. Neighbors loved it. Neighbors loved the protests. They came out to support. They sent us pizza. Uh, they let their dogs um, like urinate on his uh, lawn. I mean, I think <laughs> his, <laughs> his neighbors yeah. were very supportive of us protesting at his house. So, 
I, I've never asked you that question. I've always wondered because one of the things that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said uh, when she was explaining why she um, had come up with this was about policy. neighbors. And yeah, it just wasn't true because her neighbors also have signs out in front of their gates saying that they don't support Lori. So. Hey. <laughs> All right, listen, Jay Ma. I know you have a lot to do. Uh, I'm going to yeah. send you these uh, pictures, Jay Ma Green. Uh, Thank you so on the much. front page of the Chicago Tribune and the New York Times. You take care, Jay Ma. Stay uh, safe and sound. All right. You too. Thanks so much for having me on. Talk soon. All right. That's Jay Ma Green wearing his mask. D uh, wearing his mask, and uh, appreciate him coming on the show. We got Monroe Anderson coming up. Uh, Dennis, you want to uh, take a break and go to Monroe, or do you want to? plow through it. What's your thoughts? Let's take a break. We'll talk to Monroe. Let's hear the latest from Michael Girardi. This song is called The Loser's Bracket. After this song, we'll be back.
read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 2nd is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. This guy finished talking to Jay Maul Green. He got me thinking about something, D, before we bring on Monroe Anderson. Uh, his debate with a uh, Trump supporter in Wisconsin over the concept of white privilege. Uh, and, I mean, that is a very challenging concept uh, to get some any white person uh, to sign on uh, to. Uh, because I think that so many people, they just want to believe that everything they got in life, whatever success they had, whatever money they've made, whatever property they own, whatever status they've achieved, uh, has is well-earned, it's deserved, it's based on their capabilities and uh, their personal triumphs, uh, and that they didn't get a break, and they didn't get a handout. And I've always struggled with this because I know that none of us got to where we are on our own, that everybody got some break along the way, uh, one way or the other. I wouldn't even be in radio uh, or podcasting if I just a fortuitous meeting with Dennis. I owe this to Dennis. I got everything I have, whatever little it is in this attic overlooking that porta potty is based on Dennis saying, you know, I think this guy would be good on the radio. And I found out that I liked it and I'm doing it and I enjoy myself. We have an audience, but it's just like, I owe it to this guy. So for me to go and say, well, I'm just a natural talented guy with brilliance. That's just never been achieved in the history of radio is ridiculous. That's just one little example. And if you accumulate it your whole life, you could go back and I could look at all like this guy who, took care of me here or helped me out there or overlooked my uh, my stumbles there here 
every every one of us has uh, owes it to something. So this notion that we have achieved whatever we achieved just based on our innate ability is just like this myth. When you take that beyond just the individual like myself and just talk about the obvious advantages in this country that white people have, it's just the obvious advantages that you could see all the time. We all know them and you deny them. Then there's this willful ignorance. And I'm like, I'm listening to Jay Maul talk about how he's trying uh, to convince this random Trump supporter in Wisconsin that she's the beneficiary of white privilege. I'm like, I don't even know if she try to make that argument. I, I, I don't know what good that argument is uh, going to do. I don't, I'm really struggling with this. He did say, Jamal did that. He, he got one uh, Trump supporter to say that uh, he's recently going to reconsider, re, going to go back and read history. But I just feel there's just, just like an open defiance against the notion uh, that there is such a thing as white privilege, even though it's it, it's it's a perfect metaphor, I think, in many ways for people who go around without a masks in, in large public gatherings. It's just an open defiance of what we know is real. And so this pandemic is very real and people are dying of it. And if you allow yourself to go around openly, uh, 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 exposed without a mask, you probably are increasing the likelihood that you're going to get it. And no matter how much you don't like the pandemic or you don't like people uh, who criticize Trump for his handling of the pandemic, the pandemic's very real. So similar, no matter how much you really don't like the notion. And I realize that a lot of people cannot stand just the even concept that white people have an advantage over black people. They just they don't want to believe it. It's a reality. It's a reality every bit as much true, I think, as that if you don't put on your mask, there's a greater chance you're going to get the virus. Monroe Anderson, I believe, has joined us. Good job, Dr. D. Monroe, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. You sound loud and clear. And one more time, I want to tell everybody that Monroe has taken ages off his life because every day he's doing Tai Chi. He did it again today. And uh, now he and his wife, Joyce, are trying to convince me to join him doing the Tai Chi. Could you see me doing Tai Chi, Monroe? Uh, I think it would be good for you because although I haven't seen you in a while, you you beginning to have that old man's movement. <laughs> I, uh, the old man's movement. Yes, I'm moving like Red Fox. More and more as the days go on. Red Fox uh, in Sanford and Son. I got those, those are from those body blows you took as a b baller. Yes, I played a lot of basketball well into my 50s. Uh, and then I finally retired. We had, uh, before you came on, J. Maul Green, uh, Chicago activist, uh, Monroe. Uh, we're talking to him. Before we get into everything you want to talk about, I just got to get your thoughts on this. And uh, I got a lot of respect for J. Maul Green. He went up to Kenosha uh, to be a protester against Donald Trump, and he got into a, some uh, dis- debate discussions with Trump supporters and photographs of uh, J. Maul Green uh, confronting, uh, one woman is confronting him, I should say, uh, are on the front page of the Chicago Tribune and the New York Times. Uh, is, and, is his name on it or just a photograph? 
in the Tribune, very good question. Uh, in the Tribune, the the subhead reads: A Trump supporter and Chicago activist, Jamal Green, faces off Tuesday as they wait for the president's motorcade at Kenosha. Uh, and the New York Times. Uh, simply says um, protesters at a high school above uh, so they don't even refer to him so he, he was mentioned in the Tribune uh, but not the uh, New York Times so anyway I was asking Jay Maul he was very gracious to come on the show on short notice I was asking him uh, what he and the Trump supporter were talking about and let me point out Monroe in the photograph the Trump supporter has no mask Jay Maul is wearing a mask and she's right, right in his face She's literally right in his face, and she's got his hand uh, on his shoulder. So completely violating his space, violating all the protocols of safety that we're supposed to be following to protect ourselves. I I, I think I'd punch somebody if they got that close to me. Well, Jay Maul's a man of peace, uh, and he didn't do any punching, and I give him a lot of credit. But he said he was engaging the woman on a discussion of white privilege. And this is what I was talking about before you came on. I find... Get your thoughts on this, Monroe. I'm not certain that anyone can convince uh, a segment of white people in America that they are the beneficiaries of white privilege because the very concept of white privilege really irritates the hell out of a lot of white people because it uh, implies that they have an advantage and they don't right. want to believe that. They actually want to think it's like black people who have an advantage. Oh, I know. And, yeah, and that's so, the, that's the white grievance crowd. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts about trying to convince white people to uh, that white privilege is a, a serious issue in this country? Oh, I've been uh, fighting with them since 2009 on Facebook about white privilege. And the is well. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not rich, or I'm this, not this, or something. I don't have any privilege. You know, that's what they do. Um, I give them Tim, Tim Wise. Do you know who Tim Wise is? No. Tim, Tim Wise is this white man who has a whole white privilege movement going on. Mm-hmm. And you can he he lectures on it. He he has um, TED talks, etc., on it. And one of the the um, ones that I would use in the past, I've used in the past, is why a poor broke white man um, sh- should know that he has white privilege. And I mean, you know, and it's really basic stuff. Like you know, well, I told you about the time I, I got um, a traffic ticket in New Hampshire and the cop threatened to make me sit on the curb in two above weather while he processed it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you don't get tailed in a, a grocery store or, or, or a department store because you're white. Black people do. I mean, there's that, that famous episode where Oprah was on, on um, Oak Street and buzzed to get in and they wouldn't let her in because all they saw was her black skin. You know, they didn't see the fact that this is Oprah who who had enough money to buy the clerk in the store too. Um, and there's a list, Wise, Wise just does a list of, of white privilege things, things that white people don't take for granted 
but have this advantage. And it doesn't matter what your station in life is. It's just because of your whiteness. But if you're trying to win over, I, I, you, can't win, you can't win them over. No, okay, that's what I'm saying. People, yeah. Like those people who are really racist, then you can't win them over. Um, if, if, uh, because that's the only thing they have is their whiteness. Otherwise, they just be losers. But because they're not black, then um, they think of themselves as superior. Well, I do know that uh, <laughs> emphasis on white privilege. Yeah. Uh, at a time when the uh, the media has images of of unrest and looting. Right. Is the like the ingredients in a broth uh, that produces a white backlash, and you know that as well as I do, Monroe, because you lived to you and I have lived through the same historical yeah, you know, realities. Right, and what's really interesting mm-hmm. is until the nineteen sixties, riots were always white people attacking black people. I mean, through American throughout American history. That's what, that's what it was. It was the, the uh, 1919, the, the uh, red summer of 1919, across America, white people were attacking black people, killing them, just burning their properties, et cetera, because it was right after World War One, and um, black folks who weren't in the army uh had jobs that the white people wanted, white men wanted when they got back. And so they they were attacking um, blacks for any reason. In Chicago, of course, it was a famous um, situation where they drowned a, a black kid in um, in Lake Michigan because he, he was on a boat or a raft and drifted across an imaginary line where it was supposed to be whites only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, it, it, uh, there are many instances like that in the city of Chicago. You're absolutely correct. The, uh, the riots that took place uh, when uh, black people were allowed to move into CHA housing and white areas. Uh, there's a whole history of that. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, but that's a history lesson, Monroe. And so it's, you know, that's just the situation. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to your post, your Facebook post that uh, okay. sort of serves as an outline. Uh, to what we're going to talk about. I, I really enjoy it when you post these things up, get your little sense of your devilish sense of humor on full display for Monroe Anderson. Uh, and here we go. Are Trump and his Republicans hankering to start a race war or just a second civil war? Will the Trump campaign's law and order that's channeling the Richard Nixon and George Wallace transgressions of yore result in four more hellish years for America? Please no, please no. How did it happen that both Mueller uh, or the FBI failed to look into Trump's Russia's connections? And what about Brian Erlanger? (laughs) Letting loose his inner redneck out. Yes. Ben Drowski, I'll be discussing these and other topics at 2 o'clock. And then there's a picture of GOP Senator Ron Johnson touting citizen soldiers to overwhelm rioters. I have not read that story, Monroe. So why don't you be our correspondent and tell me what in the world. Senator, he's a U.S. senator from the state of Wisconsin. Okay. 
Ron Johnson, all right, touting citizen soldiers to overwhelm writers. What, what exactly is that He's all about? about the um, militia, the armed militia, and the, um, the vigilantes that uh, mainly almost 90% white supremacists who have taken up arms. Um, if you think of um, the 17-year-old boy that crossed state lines to go over and kill a couple of people in Wisconsin, he is um, Exhibit A. Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. Yes. He, he's, he's a poster child for that. Now, Monroe, when you're dealing, and Monroe does uh, hand-to-hand combat on Facebook, metaphorically speaking, with yeah. Trump lovers everywhere, he's he's not like J. Mal Green. He's not really polite and listens. So he engages them. Uh, uh, what is, are they defending Kyle Rittenhouse? Oh, yes. And yes. what is the defense? And the, the defense is that he was attacked. It was self-defense. That's their defense, uh, which, you know, and I point out to them, well, first of all, he had no business over in another town or crossing um, state lines. And he, 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 was, he, was, he was taunting them. Not only that, but Wisconsin state law says that you have to be 18 to have a gun. It's okay, you can have an AK, AR-15, but you need to be 18 to have an AK-15. Mm-hmm. And so, so he's underage. So he's underage. <laughs> and, of course, the greatest thing, that situation, people, one's the third, the police have been notified. They're rushing to the scene. He's walking towards them with his hands up in the air, the gun hanging around him, trying to give himself up because it's a white boy with a gun. It never even occurred to them that that might be the shooter. So they, they, they rush to the scene where the bodies are. Mm-hmm. And so how do you respond to the Trumpsters uh, in your debates uh, when they assert that uh, Rittenhouse was just uh, defending himself? I point out that he wasn't defeated. He had no business there. I mean, he was, he was there defending property that was not his. Um, and, and so he had no business being there. Mm-hmm. And of course they wrongly say, well, he was defending himself. He was knocked down. The reality was he had shot two people, three people killed two and was running away from the crowd. At which point, well, he shot somebody. I'm sorry, he didn't shoot. He hadn't shot all three at that time because he shot a couple after he, he was knocked down when they were chasing him, trying to take the gun away from him. When uh, you wrote, uh, our Trump and Republicans hankered to start a race war, just a second civil war. Uh, and will the Trump campaign of law and order uh, uh, result in four more hellish years for America? You've been consistently predicting uh that Trump will not win re-election. Today, when I was talking to you, it was the first time I sensed a little concern on your part. Yeah, about, but this, this is the ahead. concern right now. Uh, of course, circumstances could change in that uh, Joe Biden could get COVID-19 and die, and it would, it would, it would upset the cart, possibly. Or 
Trump could get COVID-19 and die. And we've got President uh, Pence there. <laughs> I mean, it's all kinds of factors within these 60 days that we have, 60, 61, 62 days. However, I am not worried about Trump winning, but I am worried about it being close and his trying to steal it. And, 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 um, and then a big mess that way. Uh, what we need, and this is what I, I still believe will happen, although my faith has been shaken a little bit, and that's that we will have such a landslide that um, it, will, it will destroy um, much of Trumpism, but not all of it. But that's, this is what we need. We need such, such a victory, a huge victory. We, we need a blue tsunami, which will sweep Trump out of office, hopefully Mitch McConnell and Lindsey. You get rid of um, Lindsey McConnell and um, Johnson, for that matter, Rod Johnson. If he's up, I'm not sure he's up, actually. But anyway, where the Democrats have the House in, in, in big numbers, have the Senate in enough numbers where we won't need um, Vice President Harris's vote to break a tie. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, uh, and I one more thing. Yeah. And, that we will be able to send Trump to prison. <laughs> it's going to take a big vote, but, you know, he, but I, I, like Nancy Pelosi, I want to see him in jail. Uh, you've been on that one. You've been on riding that horse since 2017. No right. doubt about it. He's a crook. He's a crook. And so he needs to go to jail. Um, there's a book out right now. Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's called Donald Trump versus the United States, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was written by um, Michael Schmidt. He's a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times reporter who's been covering Trump all this time. And one of the things that he reports in his book is that Mueller nor the FBI investigated Trump's Russia, Russia connections at all, not at all. So when, 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 when the right wing talks about how he's been exonerated, he, he wasn't exonerated because he wasn't investigated. Why was that? Why was he not investigated? Uh, the story is that uh, when McQuaid uh, left the FBI uh, one step ahead of the policy, in fact, he was fired. He, 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 he knew he was going to get fired. And so he, he set it up where he thought that Mueller could take it all over and pursue it, the, the, the Russian connection, because there were all kinds of thing, arrows and flashing lights that said, okay, this, this, this guy is, a, uh, is, is an operative, basically. Ro, uh, Rosenstein, when Rosenstein, um, when Rosenstein took over, um, 
he 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 thought that Mueller, in wanting to pursue this, would have been going too far because there wasn't enough evidence to go after a president, and so he didn't push it. And Mueller thought that although he didn't do it, he thought the FBI would be there. So it's the right hand to know what the left hand was doing, and and it was a, a, a it, it was a, a a job fraught with all sorts of uh, dangers for people interested in keeping a career, and so they didn't do it. They didn't do it, and and let's just take it one go one step further. Back in 2016, when the evidence was mounting, Barack Obama, President of the United States, Democrat, could he easily, easily have brought a lot of attention to this, but he held back. Right. He held back because he didn't, he felt probably two reasons. One, he thought Hillary Clinton was gonna win anyway. Exactly. And two, he didn't want to politicize things. Man, when are Democrats, I know you're gonna disagree with me on this, but I'm gonna say it. When okay. are Democrats going to learn? There is no way in a similar oh, situation, Donald Trump would have stood sat it out and well you know uh, i don't want to look like i'm politicizing thing donald trump makes stuff up he right now he's got this cockamamie uh theory about like secret people in an airplane that oh, are well, so you haven't heard the latest one okay <laughs> His latest is that biden is taking some sort of drug that's making him seem smarter <laughs> <laughs> hey man, where can I get that drug? Right. <laughs> I want that drug. Martin, I missed that one. Go ahead. He's still sleepy, Joe, but because of this secret drug that he's taking, he's coming off as not as sleepy and not as stupid as Trump would have you think he is. Trump should take that drug. No, right. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. If, they, if there were such a drug, Trump would be taking it. Uh, but my point is, is that one of the reasons that Trump got as far as he did, yeah, even with all the evidence uh, that either he or his aides were agents of the Russians, is because the Democrats, until it was too late, uh, did not press the issue and advance the issue. Right. And that, that hesitancy to fight hard, that pulling of the punch, which is so characteristic of Barack Obama Democrats, Joe Biden Democrats. If, if, if you were, maybe you recall this, but back uh, three years or more ago, when we, when we first started talking about this stuff, I said that Republicans were back shooters and Democrats want to have a high a duel at high noon. Yeah. You, <laughs> you were facing each other and whoever had was the best shot won. In the meantime, Republicans are waiting for you in the middle of the night in the darkest alley they can find and they shoot you in the back. Uh, yes, you did say that. And yes, you were right when you said that. And yes, it's so painfully obvious even now, even now, uh, Joe Biden is sort of like following Donald Trump around the country trying to figure out how to deal with the law and order, taking 
the initiative on anything, Monroe. Do you follow what I'm saying? This is my frustration. You know I've been saying this for a long time about Joe Biden. It's just, it seems like he just, he's just the strategy of sitting back. It, no, he, he, he came out. Did you hear his speech yesterday, day before? Yes. Where, yeah. Now, he's coming out now. I mean, partially because um, his lead is shrinking. Mm. I mean, it's still more than Hillary's was. And um, it's, there's no, no reason for alarm yet. He has, he has a seven and a half point lead nationally. He has leads in a lot of the um, battle battleground states, in most of them, he has leads. So there's no reason to panic, but the lead is tightening because Trump and the Republicans are doing this whole law and order thing, mm-hmm. and, and it appeals to um, a whole bunch of white folks. All right. Uh- I alluded to the fact that Jay Maul, green activist, was on right before you. He said something that I almost fell out of my chair. I didn't see this. Maybe you saw this. He cited a poll that showed uh, 24% of black people supported Donald Trump. I, I, I said, Jay Maul, I don't know what poll you saw, but it doesn't, that contradicts just every instinct I have uh, on this situation. What's your reaction to this, Monroe? Uh, that that was probably the poll they took in Alabama when everybody was on the beach. Uh, <laughs> they had those huge crowds on the beach and a bunch of people had gotten sunburned. So they, they thought they were black. <laughs> no, the, Trump is, is going to get 2 or 3% of the black female vote. Last time, he got 14% of the black male vote. And um, he may or may not get that this time. We'll see. He didn't get it last time, but I'm not going to go down that road again. I'm so sick of having that argument with people okay. about the lying that goes on to pollsters. Uh, now, this lying. was, yeah, now, I think these were actual polling. It's not... Um, no, these were exit polls. All these... Uh, projections about who got what after an election are based on exit polls because there's no statistical way to take a look at actual results and determine which vote is a woman, which vote is a man, which vote is a black person, which vote is a white person, unless in the latter category you have utter segregation. If you have utter segregation, then you can take a look at precincts that are all black, and then you can make a determination, like I do all the time in Chicago. But If you just do it on an exit poll, your your result is based on the honesty of the person being interviewed. And as I've said on the show many times, I do not believe the veracity of voters when dealing with exit pollsters. I just don't believe it. I believe that there are white people that lie to the pollsters and won't admit they voted for Donald Trump because they realize he's a freaking idiot and they look stupid and racist for voting for him. And I believe there are black people who lie to the pollsters for a whole assortment of reasons, Monroe, which... uh, just leave me every bit as much baffled as the white person. Uh, and so I think that results in an inflated vote um, for Donald Trump among black people when they come up with the results and a deflated vote. So in other words, I believe the actual 
turnout for Donald Trump among white women was higher than the 53 percent that uh, he is supposedly got. What's your reaction to all that? That, That's a possibility. That's that's a possibility. But the important thing this time Mm -hmm. is that as many black voters as possible vote early. I would say often, but that sounds too Chicagoese. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, that, that, that's just what Trump needs as an excuse to not leave office, is that people will vote early and often. <laughs> Here's the latest uh, paranoia uh, from the Democrats about Donald Trump, right. that he will claim victory before the mail-in votes are counted. Uh, and then that'll cause a problem, which you'll probably do it if he's losing. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. No, he's already told us that if he loses, it was because it was rigged. Uh, not, not, a, not a vote has been cast yet, and he's already telling us that if he loses, it was rigged. If he won, wins, he won it fair and square. Yeah. Unless... You know, he was upset last time in 2016 because he didn't win the popular vote. Hillary beat him by 2.7 million. And so he put together that commission, remember? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Discover um, how they cheated him out of that. And it, it didn't last very long. They had to shut it down because it was crazy. All right, let's uh, shift gears, close down with a discussion of sports. Uh, Monroe Anderson is a football fan. Uh, he's from Gary, Indiana, but he's always rooted for the Bears, I believe. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Gary, Indiana. Gary is a suburb of Chicago. Why would I not? That is true. See, I, I don't know. It's, whenever I interview someone from Indiana, it's just, the people that I interview, they want to disassociate themselves with the rest of the state. I don't blame you. I'm just saying right, that's a fact. Right. No, I'm not dealing with the fact that the, the city limits to Gary and the city limits to Chicago are about seven miles apart. All that's right, fair cool. enough. So, so you're going to be uh, a, a White Sox fan and a Bears fan. Okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. All right, and and because they had a black player long before the clubs did, Cubs did. Yes, Larry Doby. All right, so um, well, he was their first black manager. All right, so um, Brian Urlacher, in my humble opinion, uh, made an ass of himself last week, and I wrote a story about the column for this on the, for the reader, uh, where he came out and uh, said essentially uh, that. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse should be free. Uh, he he liked uh, somebody's tweet on that uh, matter. And then uh, he really irritated the hell out of a lot of people with an Instagram post that favorably compared Brett Favre, the Green Bay Packer quarterback, who played in the aftermath of his father's death, uh, to NBA players who uh, boycotted games uh, to protest uh, police violence against black people. It was the most cockamamie, convoluted comparison analogy I've seen in a long time. But essentially, he was showing his true uh, colors, and right. that color would right. be white. Right. Uh, and Although you could, you could speculate mm-hmm. that um, the hair transplant he got <laughs> did damage to his brain <laughs> before that it was working better. <laughs> but that's just, that would be Trump-like for me to come up with that, so I'll leave it alone. 
So what's going on here? Brian Rucker finally speaking his mind. Uh, yeah. Did he did he always have these beliefs? What's your yeah, thoughts? I think so. I think so. And and, and it amazes me, you know, um, with Vicar, who was who was coaching all these black men, or Erlacher, who was playing with all these black men, that they don't have a greater understanding and um, fellowship with these guys. But um, I guess racism is a stronger um, element, influence, than human bonding. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Vincent Norman, who comes to my show uh, all the time, uh, articulated that his theory is the further uh, white people get from black people in their day-to-day life, the more exposed they are to these viruses, if you will, if you follow me on this one. Right. Uh, right. And um, so like Urlacher, when he was in that locker room uh, with like, I don't know, Lance Briggs is there and Peter Tillman is there and Mike Brown is there and Lovey Smith is the coach. You yeah. get what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it shapes his worldview. Maybe he feels, has these inclinations, but he's going to keep them to himself. Maybe right. he doesn't even have them that strongly. What right. do you think? I think that he was, he, he had those thoughts and feelings then, but he kept them to himself. You know, I spent, uh, a number of years, a couple of decades, in white corporate America. And I did not fully express my points of view because it would have had uh, a, an, an ill effect on my career, shall we say. And so I kept a lot of things. I, I, I was a uh, department head at WBBMTV. And I sat in board meetings, uh, department head meetings, every week. And some of the, the, the racist or right-wing stuff, they would say, I did not speak out about because I wanted to keep my job. I had a, one of the general managers I had was from Mississippi. And... Um, one day I'm talking to him, and he talked about how um, I, I think he's, it's Atlanta is where the president was was um, buried, and he was talking about the president of the Confederacy. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, so I mean, and what was I going to say? I mean, you know, and and um, and and he knew exactly what he was doing. He was messing with me. So um, later, I, I did, this is how I would strike back. Later, he was talking, he was bragging about his sons. One was in the Army. The other was a, a um, Minnesota State policeman. And so I said to him, I said, what did you do to your sons when you were raising them um, to make them take such dangerous jobs? <laughs> Of course, he was very proud of the fact that they were soldiers and cops and stuff. And his response? Uh, He gave me a nasty look. He didn't respond. Did you ever have a moment uh, in in those dealings in in the corporate boardroom uh, where somebody looked at you and said, 
Monroe, you may not agree with me, but, and then issued it. You get what I'm saying? Then they stated what they said. Did anybody like officially acknowledge your presence as the black man in the room is what I'm asking before they unleashed whatever was on their mind or did they just unleash it as when you weren't there? They both unleashed it. They spoke in code or, you know, and then they, and um, sometimes at at WBBM, because this is the only boardroom I was in, you know, at the Tribune, I was just a reporter. Um, But, and in Newsweek, I was just a reporter. Uh, but in in the boardroom at WBBM TV, sometimes I was the only black, but sometimes I wasn't. There, um, there were because I went through. I think it was seven general managers, and each one would have uh, six or seven, and each one would have a different group of department heads as they came in. And so sometimes I'd be the only one. Sometimes I'd be two or three. But you know, it's, um, it's, it's, so I, I, I can't apply one law. But I do things in the meetings, like I would point out to them that um, when we were covering, um, when we were doing beach shots, just for an example, uh, they always went to Oak Street Beach or Fullerton Beach. I said, you know, there are other beaches. <laughs> Some of me would have black people go <laughs> to beaches, hang out just like white people do. So <laughs> we could do that every now and then. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> thanks for your advice, uh, Monroe Anderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and sometimes they follow up on it, you know, because I was the director of community affairs. I see. So my job was to. Um, direct them towards the community, shall we say. All right. Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. Every Wednesday on our show, Monroe Anderson, uh, writer, political strategist, and, bon uh, and troublemaker extraordinaire and proud of it. Now, uh, Monroe, yeah, you, did get a, you did get a question on the live stream chat here. Uh, a couple of weeks back, you made a very, very bold prediction. And uh, we're getting a follow-up on it from Frank. What's going on, Frank? Frank uh, wanted to know if you still think that uh, Biden is going to win both Alabama and Mississippi. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It depends uh, on no, no, this is it. If we get the blue tsunami that I'm thinking we're going to get, then possibly. But if this if this law and order thing takes root and actually um, depresses the fact that a thousand people, Americans are dying every day from Trump's mishandling of the coronavirus, then no. So I just, it depends. I, I'm, I'm still thinking, personally, I'm still thinking that the coronavirus is going to just con- continuously, it's, it's, it's upsetting American life. You know, right now, parents are trying to figure out if they should send their kids to school or keep them at home. Uh, college kids are trying to figure out if they can go to class or not. We, our, our football season may last for three games and be over. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it depends on the virus. And all right. And I, I will tell virus. you this, Frank. Yes. No way. No way. <laughs> Absolutely no way. 
Mississippi and Alabama go to Joe Biden. Just saying, man. I, I remember when Monroe said that. He was just overcome by optimism. Right. Uh, exactly. It's like me talking about the Bulls at the start of every year. Frank, the reason I said that is because as Trump told me three and a half years ago, what do I have to lose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. I want you to remember the, the lesson that Monroe uh, taught us today. I'm going to uh, use this line. Sometimes I'll give him credit. Sometimes I'll just steal it. Republicans are back shooters and Democrats want to set up an official duel <laughs> and back shooters are going to win every time. Right. Uh, that yeah, was uh, John Wesley Harden, who has a reputation of having killed more men in the Western days than anybody else, uh, was a back shooter. Yeah, and a lot of the people he shot in the back were blacks, <laughs> so he was ahead of his time. Uh, but he he would he would have been a Trump nut if he were alive he, today. Yeah. He may have been on the ticket. All right, Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. Appreciate it as always. Uh, Monroe Anderson, uh, every Wednesday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, Dennis, got any updates for us? Uh, absolutely. I do have some updates here. Uh, update involving what else when it comes to Illinois political news? A corrupt Democrat politician. Come on, man. Well, I'm not implying Joe Biden is one, but, you know, uh, now uh, the next question comes, which politician is it? Turns out there's like 20 of them. Well, this is an update on the 14th Ward Alderman old Ed Butterfingers Burke himself. And yes, of course, this update is brought to you in part by the 14th Ward Burger King. But before <laughs> we find out that update, we're going to you. Yes. I'm talking about you, the Ben Jarofsky Show listener. Ben, you have some questions from our live stream chat room. Uh, first off, you know, Jay Marie has always uh, been writing you about this one here. She just goes, why does Ben not believe that black people are voting for Trump? I do not. Jay Marie, I do not believe. Uh, well, literally, there will be some who vote for Donald Trump. No doubt about it. But uh, the the. The um, the results that I studied, and I studied it very carefully in 2016, and I've demonstrated this time and time again, showed that Trump's black vote was roughly 2%. And I'm doing that off the top of my head. It may have been below 2%, but let's just say 2%. That's just a fact. I do not believe exit polls. I, I don't believe they're accurate. I don't believe they're accurate for black or white. Uh, I believe they've uh, deflated tr uh, Trump's white support and they've inflated his black support because that's how the line goes. And uh, I also do not uh, see how Donald Trump is making an overture that would win over black people. So if you base it on past voting patterns, and uh, the rhetoric of today, I do not see him increasing that black support over the 2% he got. And um, I definitely don't believe, uh, Jay Marie, that it's 24%, which is uh, what Jay Maul Green cited. Uh, I don't know what, I haven't seen the story that Jay Maul was citing when we get off the air. Uh, Jay Marie, I'm going to go check it out and see for myself. But I remember uh, Jay Marie back in 2004 an article that came out 
right before the election that showed that claimed that George W. Bush was going to get over 20 percent of the black vote. And I didn't believe that either. And that was not verified by the results themselves. So there's some serious issues when it comes to polling. That is for uh, for certain. But the Republican Party has not made a concerted effort to win over black voters. They haven't. Haven't made one since, oh, I don't know, the the 50s, the Eisenhower years. And um, so that's just uh, my opinion. And I have a feeling that the results will bear it out come November. All right. You mentioned George W. Bush. Uh, we've heard your Bill Clinton and Barack Obama impressions. Oh, How about no. a George W. Bush impression? You got one? Uh, no. Yeah. Strategery. Do that. Strategery. Strategery. I can't. I can see him. I can't do. Uh, Strategery. <laughs> I'm George W. Bush, and I, I approve this message. You know I what? Pro- that was pretty I damn good. That's pretty damn know, good, I, Ben. But uh, you caught me off guard. See, I had to go back in time. You know what I'm saying? And it always have to. It takes me. I'm not like one of those guys who could do it instantaneously. I am like. Dennis, I'm envious of guys like that who could just like do it. I have to go back in time and get into character and do my. First, I have to go to Will Ferrell, who does a pretty good George W. Bush. Fantastic one. Yeah. So, uh, president, uh, president, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm a compassionate conservative. I got to say, Ben, that may be your second best impression next to Ken Davis. Well, your third, because Ken Davis, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush. That's pretty good, Uh, man. Yeah, thank you, man. What can I say? What can I say? Jay Marie, let's have a bet, Jay Marie. Let's do the over-under on a black vote for Trump. And I'll tell you what, you come to the same lunch, because Jay Maul will be buying... With that 24%. You notice how he kind of ducked and dodged in that one day a little bit when I said, yeah, all right, let's go. Let's put it up. Well, <laughs> I'm just telling you what was in the paper, okay? Uh, habita, habita. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, more questions on the live stream chat. Guys, now's the time to do it. We got some time to kill here before we roll out. So if you got a question you've been dying to ask Ben Jarofsky, now is the time to do it. Live stream chat room. All right, uh, Jim. Jim asks us, uh, well, asks you more specifically, uh, does Ben have any thoughts on the passing of John Thompson, Georgetown University legend? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. I have many thoughts. John Thompson, uh, longtime basketball coach at Georgetown. Uh, yeah, he... Uh, he was such a significant figure in sports that that area where sports uh, and in race come together because he was like the first I want to say uh, black coach to win. Yeah, he was the first black coach to win a championship. Uh, but he was just he just had this presence about him, like this sort of like a defiance, like he didn't care. Uh, what people said about him didn't care about the criticism that he that, that people were slinging his way because he felt in his heart uh, he had the courage of his convictions that he was doing the right thing and uh, so in a, in, in a sense it was like a it, it was a, a black man in power in sports that I'd never seen before and I've studied I follow sports passionately and so it was like shattering uh, a lot of stereotypes about uh, like 
the image that black people uh, in sports can convey in much the way that Muhammad Ali did as well. So, yeah, he was, he was a very influential man in my life. I remember listening to his interviews a lot of times. And uh, I'm not a huge Georgetown fan of that. Just that matters nothing at all. Uh, but uh, I was really happy when they won the championship back in 1984. And I really liked... There was a moment, this is a, on a tangent, when he lost a key game, I think it was in 1983, where one of his players inadvertently passed the ball to the other player. I don't know uh, if anybody remembers this, but it was, it was a high-profile moment in, a, in a, a very important playoff game. And one of his players inadvertently threw the ball to the wrong team and they lost the game. And the way he comforted that player, the leadership he showed and the compassion he showed at that moment uh, was really impressive and i could see why the people who played for him loved him so much and admired him so much so yeah very influential man in sports and uh i was sad when i heard that he died all right so there you are jim uh he was wondering about that yesterday as well so hopefully that uh hooked you up jim uh okay oh we have one more question here this is a new live stream chatter uh it says l lightfoot ben do you want to come over and smoke the peace pipe and sing kumbaya oh she is changing <laughs> new leaf <Yeah>. Lori. <laughs> mayor Lori lightfoot whoa she says she's gonna change her ways we got stacy davis gates will be coming on the show i think it's friday d We'll ask uh, SDG if uh, Lori Lightfoot's been passing her the peace pipe. That'd be really good. They're smoking the old peace pipe, you know? (laughs) That would would be a sign of things of changing. Yeah, that would be. Uh, Okay, the Edberg update coming up in moments here. But uh, earlier we were talking about J.B. Pritzker's COVID-19 press briefing. Uh, Before that press briefing began on COVID-19, he did address another important topic that is going on at the moment, the 2020 census. Ben, it seems like we hardly talk about it. What are your thoughts? on the 2020 census and uh what do you have to say to someone who's listening and uh, may be thinking of not filling it out please fill your form out uh it's for all the obvious reasons and you know we we haven't really uh had a discourse on this one d uh, i've been noticing more and more in the, the uh, newspaper editorials essays columns talking about people fleeing illinois fleeing Chicago. This is sort of a trend. In fact, I saw this. I was going to comment on this yesterday, probably bring it up uh, tomorrow. It was like a reason given for, by Andy Shaw. He wrote an essay, I think for the Tribune. Andy Shaw, the former uh, head of the Better Government Association. Before that, he was a TV reporter for many years. Very prominent man in, in Chicago. Wrote this essay in which he opined that he could not support the fair tax uh, until Chicago cleaned, or Illinois cleaned up its act and then he said in passing that many people agree with him and that's why they're leaving Chicago and leaving Illinois. Uh, and so there's this notion out there that people are leaving Illinois and leaving Chicago uh, because of the politics, because of the taxes. Uh, this is generally a Republican idea, but it's catching on. Uh, and so I would like to see, we should bring a, a demographer on to see if there's any truth to this, you know, what, what the recent population trends are showing, like are people leaving in greater numbers than before? Where are they going, et cetera, and so forth. But bottom line is this, uh, congressmen are apportioned according to population. Uh, Federal funding is apportioned according to population. The less people you have, the less money and uh, congressional representation you're going to get. Uh, So that's why 
it's important to fill out those census forms. Uh, and that's why it's really important uh, that Illinois can it, claim that it's not uh, losing people because we'll lose money and we'll lose congressmen and we'll lose clout. And we're already on the short end of that, by the way. Uh, I do not believe at the moment, I think it's pretty obvious that Donald Trump cares one bit about the state of Illinois. So yes, fill out those census forms. Well, Ben, Governor J.B. Pritzker agrees. Here's J.B. earlier today on the census. Every 10 years in this country, we count the number of people who live in this state. And based upon that number, the federal government gives our state funding for schools and hospitals and roads and child care and more. And the higher the count, the more of your federal tax money comes to Illinois instead of going to other states and the more representatives we get in Congress. Today, when Illinoisans pay our federal taxes, we're one of only 10 states that gets back less than we pay to the federal government. We can do so much better. And all of you can help by simply getting counted in the census. We're competing against all the other states, and we're doing very well so far. But we can't rest on our laurels. Right now, we are number one among the most populous states and number six overall in our response rate to the census. But there are still many neighborhoods in Chicago and towns and cities and counties all across the state that are falling behind, hovering between 30 and 50 percent participation. I don't know what he's getting at when he says we're number one among the most populous states, number six. I guess he's saying that in response to the census of the most populous states. I'm not quite sure I understand. I, I can take that. I do not understand uh, what he's getting at. But the opening uh, lines were lifted out of a column I might write or a show, uh, one of our shows. Yes, the amount of money you get is based on the number of people in the state, unless there are political considerations. He didn't mention the political considerations. He kind of hinted at those political considerations. And the political considerations are, if you're a Republican state, uh, Donald Trump will send you more money. If there a hurricane hits a Republican state, Donald Trump will send them more aid and relief than he would if there was a Democrat. We've seen that down the line. This is politics. This is how the Republicans play the game. They take care of their own. Uh, so you'll never have an advantage. You will never get the money that you really deserve uh, and need from the federal government if you're a blue state and you have a Republican president. That's just the way it is. I remember when Harold Washington was elected mayor of Chicago in 1983, had this radical notion that he was going to fairly distribute the money to every ward so that uh, not one ward would get more money than another ward. He was going to just end this practice where some wards got more than others. It was a radical notion in, in Chicago. People were afraid of it. Uh, he, he, he turned it upside down. Fairness. Oh, ooh. What a radical idea. What a radical concept, fairness in the distribution of money. It doesn't happen uh, in, the day, in this day and age of Trump. Trump makes it clear that he's going to spend more money. Wisconsin will get more money than Illinois because he needs Wisconsin. He has written off Illinois. He doesn't care about Illinois at all. Another reason we should get rid of the electoral college system, by the way. Uh, so at the very least, we got to 
maximize whatever advantages we have by filling out those forms. Uh, I agree with Pritzker 100%. You know, strong words, JB, but I got to say, I like our Chicago mayor's approach a little better. And I'm happy to report, I'm calling out the census cowboy. Yeah! (laughs) If you see the census cowboy coming to your neighborhood, that's not a good thing. That means you got to step up and do your part and make sure that you fill out the census. He's going to be going to the 10 communities across Chicago that have the lowest census response rate. And it's time to giddy up. Let's do this, Chicago. Let's make the census cowboy proud. Howdy, partner. It's time to giddy up. I don't think I've ever heard that it's time to giddy up part before, Dean. That's pretty fun. It's time to giddy up. Maybe I'll take just that part and make it a, a yeah. future clip on the show. <laughs> That's really good. I, maybe I wasn't paying attention to that one. It's time to giddy up. Okay. All right. Now to our Alderman Burke update. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and John Seidel. The headline reads, Alderman Ed Burke's lawyer warns of staggering amount of evidence long cross-examination if he ever gets to trial. Hey, who did that? (laughs) All right, let's read this article here. Uh, A lawyer for Alderman Edward Burke said Wednesday the cross-examination of a single witness in Burke's federal criminal case could last more than a week if the longtime politician ever goes to trial. He also said the amount of evidence prosecutors have yet to turn over to them about potential witnesses in the case is, quote, staggering and unprecedented, which means it could still be quite some time until the 14th Ward Alderman goes to trial on a blockbuster racketeering indictment leveled against him more than a year ago. U.S. District Judge Robert Dow told lawyers during a hearing in the case Wednesday that it'd be premature to set a trial date using anything other than a, quote, very erasable pencil. Uh, Ben, your thoughts? Well, I... um Boy, does this expose the, uh, what is it, the double standards, the shifting standards in our uh, criminal justice system. Yes. White collar crime, like the one that uh, Ed Burke uh, is uh, accused of. When you have a defendant with the amount of money that Ed Burke has, who can hire the lawyers uh, that Ed Burke can hire, he could drag things out a long, long time. Uh, and money talks. We just got finished talking about how money talks in the political arena. This is money talking uh, in the criminal justice arena. And by the way, we're going to see the same thing with Kyle Rittenhouse, the uh, the seventeen year old from Antioch who uh, shot uh, two people in. Um, Kenosha, uh, he's his lawyers already said they're bringing in. I think he called it a SEAL team, a SEAL team defense squad, the best lawyers in the country. The money would be no object because they're going to raise it uh, through fundraising. And uh, yeah, so it's the uh, Ed Burke is going to drag this thing out for as long as he can. He's got it. Huge reservoirs of money that he's raised down through the years. Adolfo Mondragon has argued that uh, that money should not be available to pay his legal fees. Apparently, nobody's listening to Adolfo because he's got a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, I got a feeling that it will be another year before Ed Burke uh, goes to trial. All right. I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that one. Seriously, who keeps doing that? And hey, uh, Dennis, what? Can I just say one thing? What? Giddy up. All right. Giddy up. <laughs> Giddy up. 
<laughs> moo here moo buckaroo here we go all right uh and we do have a a, a follow-up on uh madigan gate uh but like i said earlier today Boy, it's been a slow news week, really, uh, in Illinois and Chicago. So we're just going to go ahead and hold that one until tomorrow. How about that, Ben? I think that's a, a good idea. <laughs> and, of course, follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Show at gmail.com. And, of course, you can call us. You can leave us a voicemail. That's right. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Give us a call. Come on, man. (laughs) Get me every time with that. Come on, man. Uh, Anyway, I want to uh, thank our guest, Jamal Green, uh, Monroe Anderson, outstanding job. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would not be possible. And it's Jamal Green and Monroe Anderson, and Mayor Lori, giddy up, Lightfoot will tell you. Back home and all, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And hey, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcasts.